Everybody doing great today? God is good? And all the time? If you are new here to Hallmark, I want to welcome you. And uh, my name is John. I am blessed to serve as a pastor here. I'm going to invite you to find your way, whether that's in a printed Bible or maybe a phone or an iPad, to Proverbs chapter 1. We are starting a kind of a little mini-series entitled Be Healthy. And as we think about it, we're going to talk today about our mind and uh, next week body, then the next week soul. And in, as uh, I, I want to just pause for a moment before we kind of get into the message and say, say, if you missed out on last Sunday's student takeover, you missed an awesome service. And uh, I want to say thank you to all of the students who led in worship and then uh, the four young men that preached. And of course, uh, can we give them a hand? I just want to thank them. They did a great job. And I uh, also want to say uh, thank you to uh, Carlos and Stefan who lead in the student ministry and worship team and just allowing those students an opportunity to be a part of, of preaching and teaching. It was just awesome. I thought as they were uh, preaching last Sunday, one of our core values is biblically driven. And it was cool that they actually opened the Bible and read it. Wasn't that awesome? Uh, you never know for sure. The truth is you can go to a lot of churches now and they're not ever going to do that. And so we had an eighth grader and a freshman and a couple seniors get up and open the Bible and, and just preach from God's word. That was encouraging to me. So I want to say thank you to them. Um, and as we start this series, I want to, uh, next week, we're going to give you a little more information. I just kind of give you uh, what your appetite for this, but uh, Hallmark is partnering with a ministry called Soul Care Network in the next month or so that is going to be providing uh, free counseling for members of our church. And so next week, uh, one of our new members, Dr. Okanaga, is going to share just a little bit about that ministry, how maybe you can be involved in that, maybe how it can help you. Then also in September and October and November, we're going to have three Sunday evenings where we're going to have seminars. So we're having this ministry come in. They're going to lead some seminars, first one in September on anxiety and how to deal with anxiety in October would be depression, and then in November on suicide. And so uh, we want you to know, and I want you to understand that the Bible is, is not just interested in one thing about you, and that it's not just interested in your eternity. God is interested in today. Like God sees you in your pain today. God sees you in your struggle today. And what Jesus said is that the enemy, Satan came, he, he came to kill, still and destroy. Jesus then said, but I have come to give you life and to give you life more. Anybody know the word? Abundantly. Like God wants us to live not just the eternal life in heaven in his presence forever when all is going to be good and there'll be no more pain and no more sorrow and no more hurt and no more anxiety, no more depression. That was going to be a great day, isn't it? But in the now and in the here, Jesus says, I want to, I want to walk with you. And so as we think about this, be listening as you hear. Next week, we're going to expound a little more on, on what that ministry is going to look like. Today, we're just going to take a quick view of, of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. And Proverbs, is, as we mentioned when we were back in, I think it was Psalm chapter 5, we talked about Hebrew poetry. Oftentimes, Hebrew poetry was written in parallelisms. So you have this statement and then maybe a parallel statement after it or potentially a contrasting statement after it. And then Proverbs is filled with a lot of that. I look at Proverbs uh, a kind of like, I don't know whether to call it Twitter now or X, 
but at that. Like it's just these random statements. It's not a storyline that I can follow, but it's, it's statements of wisdom. Let me, let me give you an example of parallelism in a few of these this morning, all right? So kids, I have pictures up here for you because I know family worship, I can be really boring, I know. Can you say amen, kids, to that? I'm looking at the ornery ones. Parents, you know who they are. Savannah. There you go. All right. So the first one here, all right, Proverbs eleven twenty seven. Like a gold ring in a pig's snout is it a beautiful woman who shows no discretion. Did you guys know that was in the Bible? Would you agree with that statement? Okay. I'm going to ask you on a few of these to agree, and I'm going to warn you ahead of time, men. Don't say anything. The next one, much increase comes by the, oh, I'm sorry, I messed up. Where no oxen are, the trout is clean, but much increase comes by strength of an ox. I remember this was one of my favorite um, verses that I would quote to my boss, my dad, when I was a student pastor, when things were broken in the family center or the youth center. It's like, yeah, well, with kids comes a mess. But without kids, there's no progress. Right? That's what, it's, that's what it's saying. That, yeah, it's, it's messy. Life can be messy. All right, next one. I don't have much comment on this one because I'm not really sure what to say. A dog returns to his vomit, so a fool returns to his folly. Some of you are getting sick right now thinking about it, right? Okay. The next one, remember, I did not come up with these statements. I'm not even sure if I'm going to read this statement. It's better to live alone in the corner of an attic than with a quarrelsome wife in a lovely home. Men, do you agree? I told you not to. This was the one. All right. My, my grandfather used to paraphrase this all the time. Proverbs 17. Even a fool who keeps quiet is considered wise. Discerning if he seals his lips. This one reminds me of when my kids were little. Uh, You might get the mental image too. Some people dig a fork into the pie but are too lazy to raise it to their mouth. Anybody ever have that? You guys remember, you ever had your kids falling asleep with their their face planting into their food, right? How many of you have the videos? Mine are on some VHSC little tape that no one can see now. Proverbs 26, 17, last one. Whoever meddles in a quarrel, not his own, is like one who takes a passing dog by his ears. True statement, right? Stay out of my business. That's what he's saying. Stay out of my business. All right, so that's kind of Proverbs. All all the way through it is these Hebrew poetry parallelisms of a statement and then maybe a contrasting statement. It's just to make us think. What was the purpose of Proverbs? So look in Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. We're going to read this, all right? Proverbs chapter 1. The first verse says, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. So real quickly, we get the title. It's the Proverbs, all right? It's the parables. A proverb is a parable. It, it's, it's the understanding that King Solomon, the son of David, is the author. All right, verse number two. Verses two through six kind of give us the purpose of the entire book of Proverbs. Kind of the purpose statement in verses two through six. What, why did Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, write? And here's what he said, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, 
and equity, right? To learn about life, to gain wisdom is what he's saying. Verse four, to give prudence to the simple and even to the young man, knowledge and discretion, right? So what he's saying is that if you will read the book of Proverbs, and a lot of people read one proverb a day, just to one through 31, right? Most months. And so when we think about this, this, like even what he's saying is even the young can learn and gain wisdom. But, but in case we forget verse five, he says, a wise man will hear and increase learning and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. You know, it's wise to never stop learning, right? That even in our old age, wherever you might be on that spectrum, you know, I've spent a lot of, of my life over the years teaching. I've spent a lot of years coaching. And one thing as a coach that I think is the greatest characteristic or attribute of any player I've ever coached is that they are coachable, right? And, and as a boss, as a leader, one of the greatest attributes and characters of someone that I would want to hire is that they are teachable. And that's what the Proverbs, what King Solomon is reminding us, that even the wise, even the elderly can learn and grow. Then verse six, to understand a proverb and, and an enigma, the words of the wise and their riddles. In verse seven, then here's really the theme of the entire book. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. Here's that comparison, right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 9, 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of, of wisdom. And so when I was kind of reading and studying through this passage, I, I came across this, um, really three questions. And, and before we get to the three questions, I want us to remember, remember several weeks ago, I guess it's been 12 or 13 weeks ago now, when we were back in this, the summer playlist in Psalm chapter one, and there were, what we looked at, the Psalm chapter one reminds us that there is, two different ways. There's the ungodly way and there's the godly way. And I, the last verse of, of Psalm chapter one says that therefore God knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall what? Perish. Right? So we have this very early on, and it's a theme all throughout scripture. When God uses wisdom or the wise, we're, we're most often speaking of people who have made a decision to make the Lord the Lord of their life. And when it talks about the fool or the foolish way, it's almost always talking about those who have chosen to reject God. In Matthew chapter 7, remember, Jesus said there is a wide, a, a wide road that leads to destruction. And many are going to find that road. That's the, the way of the fool. He also said there is a narrow road or a narrow path or a narrow way that leads to life. And few are going to find the narrow path. That's the path to life. Right? So we talk about the wise and the foolish. Then he also, in, in Matthew, continued the story, continued the thought and said that the wise man builds his house on the rock. You remember that? And who is the rock? Jesus. The wise man built his house on a rock. And when the storms of life come and the rain beats on the house, if the house and the foundation of that house is built on Jesus, the rock, then the rock, I mean, the house will stand firm. But then he says, if the foolish is going to build his house on the, the sand, his own ideas, his own thoughts, not on Christ, 
Again, it's just pointing out there's a foolish way and there is a wise way. Just what Proverbs, what King Solomon has told us here. So when we talk about this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And Alistair Begg asked of this one verse, three questions. So I'm going to go through these three questions really quickly, and then we'll kind of have some application at the end. The first question that we can look at verse 7 and ask is, who is this Lord? It seems like it would be an important question when we hear the word, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Well, who is the Lord? And you see here, it's in all capitalized letters, right? Meaning who we just sang about, Yahweh. He is the self-existing one. He is the creator. He is the sustainer. He is immutable, meaning he has never changed. He is eternal, eternal past, eternal future. He's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. We've heard all these titles of God, right? He's the shepherd. He's king of kings, Lord of lords. He's our savior, our redeemer, our shelter, our provision, our provider. That's the Lord. Do you know the Lord? Creator, sustainer, provider, protector, redeemer. And so Solomon says, the fear of the creator. Remember what God told Moses in Exodus chapter 34? Moses said, well, if the Israelites say, who sent me, who shall I say? And he said, tell them I am that I am has sent you. The creator, the sustainer the self-existing one, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. Do you guys get the idea? Shake your head yes, and I'll, keep, I'll, I'll quit saying it, all right? If you shake your head no, I'm going to keep saying it. And he knows, all right? King of kings, the Lord of lords, savior, redeemer, all right? For those of you stubborn. How many of you think I was stubborn as a kid? Who is the Lord? All right, I'm not, I'm not going to answer it. I ain't telling you. All right. I really, never mind. I can't say it. Number two. Next question. Who is the Lord and what is this fear? What does it mean to fear the Lord? And I'm going to read just this little statement that talks about the fear of the Lord as, as seen in Proverbs. According to the book of Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is a continual, humble, and faithful submission to Yahweh which compels one to hate evil, turn away from it, and bring with it rewards better than all earthly treasures. To fear the Lord. And when I think of fear of the Lord, of course, fear of the Lord has the aspect of we understand that God is a holy, righteous God. We understand that God is bound by his word to punish sin. We understand that the punishment of sin has always been and will always be death. The Bible says that the wages, the punishment for sin is death. And that if we die in our sins and we have not given our life to Christ, then there is a holy, righteous God who will judge us. And we should fear that. Do you you believe that? But there's also this understanding when we talk about the fear of God is this awe and this reverence. Not only is God holy, not only is God just, not only is one day, we looked at this uh, two weeks ago in Revelations 19 and 20 and 21, there will be a final judgment. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. And God will finally and fatally judge all sin. But that same God 
told Moses, I'm long-suffering, I'm gracious, I'm merciful, I'm love. So this fear of God lends itself to understand, yeah, we, we should have this somewhat this terror of who God is, but it also should bring this awe and reverence that this holy, righteous God loves me. Romans 5a says, God demonstrated his love toward you, toward me. That even while, even in my sins, Christ died for me. A healthy, proper fear of God leads me to love him, to trust him, and to obey him. That's what it means to fear God. I fear the Lord, and my fear of the sustainer and creator leads me to love, trust, and obey. Fear God. The third question, what is this knowledge you guys ask really good questions. Who is this Lord? What is this fear? And what is this knowledge? And this knowledge has to be more than just information. This knowledge has to be more than just, well, five plus five equals, what is it? Kids, what's five plus five? Are you sure? How do you know that? All right, let me give you a harder one. What's 10 plus 10? Are you sure? You guys are so smart. What's 144 times 144? Anybody know? So here's what's funny. Do you guys remember some of us old people in the room? Do you remember in class when you would like, you may not have, I I didn't do this, but maybe you did. When you would question your teacher, when am I ever going to need to know this? Did any of you ever say that? How many of you thought it, but you didn't say it? Okay. I, it's possible that I may have said that before to a teacher. It's possible. You know what my teachers would always say to me, especially in math? I don't like math. They would say, well, you're going to need to know this because you're not always going to have a calculator with you. Let's say, hey, Siri, right? If I could go back, tell my teacher. It's, It's more than knowledge, though. Knowledge is good, but it, knowledge is not transformative. The, the fear that I'm going to trust, obey, and love the creator and sustainer of all things is the beginning of what? Knowledge. So I think I'd have to wrestle with the question, what is the greatest thing that God has revealed about himself? Is that the beginning of knowledge? The greatest thing that God has ever revealed about himself, is that that what it, if I'm truly going to fear, which means I'm going to love, trust, and obey this creator 
And it's the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of knowledge. Maybe we should determine, decide to figure out what's the greatest knowledge I could know about God. Is it that he's all-powerful? That word, I remember the word from theology class many years ago, omnipotent. The truth is you have to be careful how you say that. Just, you know, you can think about that for a moment. Okay, let's move on. Okay, he's omniscient. What does omniscient mean? He knows everything. This God who's all-powerful, who's all-knowing, this God who's omnipresent. What does omnipresent mean? He's everywhere at all, all times, all places. That's good to know. Is it the greatest thing we can know about God? I think it's the verse I already quoted for us. God, Yahweh, Lord, creator, sustainer, demonstrated his love toward me and toward you that even in your sins, Christ died for you. That's the beginning of knowledge. The greatest thing that kid, five plus five, that's great. You need to know it. Learn everything you can in school. Two thumbs up. That's great. Mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, whatever degree you might have in here today. Great. Pursue knowledge. That's great. Right? Leaders are learners always. Hey, I'm not against learning. Gain knowledge. But what I want everyone in the room to know, the greatest thing you could know, the greatest thing I could teach you is that God loves you, that he sent his son to die and to take your place. And if you would admit and believe and confess, Jesus Yahweh, creator, sustainer, redeemer, provider, protector, savior, will not just be those things. He will be your redeemer, provider, protector, shield. Do you want that today? I hope so. In Hallmark Kids Ministry, they always go over the ABCs. Allison our children's director, who does an amazing job with our kids, told you that every week they, they give the gospel in some form or fashion, right? Quiz your kids who come to Hallmark Kids. They probably know the ABCs, right? We need to admit the first step. So if you want the knowledge of Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, here are the three steps to do that. Here's the three steps to receive that knowledge and to make it yours. The first step is admit. A, admit you are a sinner, The truth is, I know a lot of you, and this should be really easy for you to admit. You sin really well, some of you. How many of you say you're really good at sinning? How many say from like ages 12 to 16, you were an expert at sinning? You're lying now, some of you, right? Put your hand up. So maybe you're a little hard-headed, Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned. 
That's what the Bible teaches us. All have sinned. Admit, yeah, I've, I've not lived up to God's standard. I'm not perfect. So A, admit. B, believe. Believe that Jesus died for you. John three sixteen. God so loved the world, he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him, they will not perish, but have everlasting life. There's those two words, perish and life, wise and foolish. Admit, believe, the sea, confess. One of my favorite verses to quote is John chapter 14, verse 6. Confess that Jesus is the only way. Those are the words of Jesus. Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 14, this was the night that he'd be arrested and crucified. And he told them, hey, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And one day I'm going to come back that where I am, you may be also. And then he ends that little conversation with, you know where I'm going and you know the way. One of the disciples said, well, hold on, Jesus. We don't know where you're going and we don't know the way. John 14 verse 5. Then Jesus answered the question, John 14, verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Confess, Jesus is the only way to God. This is really good news because a lot of people think, well, if I'm just good enough and if I go to church enough and if I pay my tithes or whatever, whatever you've been taught... If I can be good enough, then I can get to heaven. That's the way to God, good enough. And can I tell you, your good enough will never be good enough. It doesn't have to be because Jesus was good enough. He paid the price on the cross so you wouldn't have to. Admit, believe, confess. And right now in this moment, I'm not, I'm not going to ask you to close your eyes. I don't want us to like start thinking about it's time to go just yet. But, but in this moment, right where you're seated, if you would like to take these three steps, admit, believe, and confess, and receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, then, then you do it right there. I don't have to hear you. You don't have to say like this special staged prayer. Let me, let me go over it very simply with you again. And you, you do it right where you're at. The first step is admit. You tell God right now, I admit, God, that I'm a sinner. Right where you're at. Step two, B, believe. You make the statement in your own heart, in your life right now, God, I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe it. Step three, C, confess. Jesus, I believe you are the only way and I surrender my life to you. That's it. That's the greatest information you can ever get. And I want to challenge you this morning. If you took those three steps, would you let somebody know before you leave today? In fact, when we dismiss in a moment, I'll I'll be right out in the foyer. You could come tell me. 
You can scan the QR code in front of you and say, I've decided to follow Jesus. You can pull the piece of paper out in the pew in front of you. You can fill it out and put it in the box on your way out. Let somebody know. It's the greatest decision you could ever make. Now, last Sunday, we had four different guys preach. And didn't they do a great job? So, yeah, you can, you can clap for them. That'd be great. So I thought, since we had four messages last week, I could do four today. You guys good with that? You guys good with that? Okay, not really. But, but I, I do feel like I want to say something. I feel like God wants me to say something. And I'll, I'll try to keep it short. In Deuteronomy chapter number six. So it's, it's family worship today, right? Parents, kids, grandparents, kids. Parents, I know. Sometimes you feel a little anxiety over sitting with your kids in church, right? Just shake your head. Yeah, you don't know my kid, right? Yeah, I know. I see you. I get it. It's okay. I think one of the best places for your kids to learn how to find and follow Jesus is to be sitting next to you in church. I really do. I think there's a time, and, and maybe we don't do it every Sunday. There's a reason for that, too. But, but I think it's okay. So next time we have family worship, you probably know someone that's not here today because they chose not to be here because, well, their kids are crazy. At least they think so. That's, tell them it's okay. Tell them it's the best place for them to be. So when I think about knowledge, in our culture today, we as parents have a tendency to value the wrong knowledge we give our kids. Maybe I should say it this way. We have a tendency to overvalue some of the knowledge we give our kids. Let me explain. In Deuteronomy chapter number six, let's just turn there, okay? I told you it was going to be quick. I'll probably liar. It's all right. Is the mic on? Sorry, let me say that loud. All right. Deuteronomy 6, verse 1. Now, this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach them and to observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess. They're about to go to the promised land. Here's what you need to do. Fear the Lord God. Does that sound a lot like Proverbs? Fear the Lord God. Keep all the statutes, commandments, which I command you. Then he goes on, you and your son and your grandson, all the days of your life, that your days may be prolonged. Therefore, hear, Israel, be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your father has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. There's blessings on the other side of obedience. That's what he's saying. Verse four, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Here we go. We're talking about the Lord again. We're talking about fearing the Lord. What should we do? What's the greatest knowledge that we can pass to our kids? Verse five, love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words, which I command you today, shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign in your hand, and they shall be fronts between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. What is the Lord telling us today? 
the greatest thing we can do as a follower of Jesus is love God with all our heart, soul, and strength. In fact, in the New Testament, when they questioned Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? What did Jesus say? Well, he quoted this verse. Love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Then he said, love your neighbor as yourself. On all these, all the principles, all the laws, all the commandments rest on these two. Love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And then, as Allison alluded to earlier when she was on the stage talking about kids' ministry, she said that you as a parent or a grandparent or aunt and uncle, you are to be the primary discipler of your kids, not Hallmark Church. She said it a little nicer than I did, but I'm just telling you what she was saying. It's not my job to disciple your kids. It is my job to equip you to disciple your kids. And that's what our student ministry, kids ministry, and young adult ministry, and our connect groups strive to do. To teach you, to teach your kids how to find and follow Jesus. And the truth is, what I see in culture, and, and I, can I be, I'm going to be completely honest with you today. I'm, I'm really blessed. My, my kids are older. And at this today, well, I haven't talked to them today. As of yesterday, I know that they're following Jesus. Today, they should be at church. We'll check in later and make sure. The fact that they both get paid to be at church probably means they'll be there, all right? It's a side note. I'm just, listen, I understand. It's very easy as a parent to get so ingrained in the culture to pass on this that we don't pass on this. The greatest thing, the greatest knowledge you can give your child is how to find and follow Jesus. The greatest way for you to do that, there's a key. Look at this. Where am I at? Turn the page. Look at verse number six. These words which I command you today shall be, what's the next three words? They're on the screen. Just look up here. These words which I command you today. What are those words? Love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Teach your kids to do the same. They shall be what? You cannot pass what you don't possess. If God is not the priority of your heart, don't expect your kids to have that priority. My, my son is 26, is that right? Wow. I'm really old. Uh, you know who his two favorite sport teams are? Dallas Cowboys. God help him. I tell him it's his fault. They stink because they haven't been good since he was born. You can tell him I said it. I tell him. Uh, one of his other favorite teams is the Kansas Jayhawks. Ba- basketball. They kind of stink at football. But basketball 
why do you suppose that my son's two favorite teams are the Dallas Cowboys and the Kansas Jayhawks? Because his dad is so awesome and his dad's favorite teams are the Cowboys and the Jayhawks. I have passed on my passion. I didn't intend to. It just happened. When we found out we were pregnant, I didn't tell Joy, okay, number one goal. Blake has to like the Cowboys. And he has to like the Jayhawks. My passion was passed. My daughter absolutely loves coffee. All things coffee. She managed a coffee shop all through college. Why do you think my daughter loves coffee? Because I love coffee. My passion was passed. You get where I'm going with this? Do I have to dig in or have you figured it out already? Can, can I... Can I give you a pet peeve real, real quick? In old preaching terms, this is called getting on my soapbox, and I'm going to step on it tall and proud today. Will you guys allow that? If you don't allow it, then you can, you can leave because I'm going to do it. You know what I've heard often from parents? I've been a part of ministry. My wife and I started teaching first and third grade class in 1993. Then we promoted to middle school whew, in 1995. We've, we've, been, we've talked to a lot of parents and a lot of students. That's all I'm trying to say. And you know what really frustrates me? I've heard it a lot. You've probably heard it. I hope you haven't said it. Well, I don't, I don't really want to make my kids go to church because maybe they'll hate it when they're older. If, if it was allowed for me to cuss at you right now, I would do it. <laughs> That's how much that drives me nuts. Let's not think about it biblically for a moment. Let's think about that just from a logical standpoint. If you didn't make your kids do the things they don't like to do, because you were afraid when they're 18 they won't do it anymore, how many things would your kids not do? I can give you one. Right? It's got lint on it. That's awesome. Anybody want, to bro- anybody want to borrow it? I took my wife's toothbrush this morning. Just kidding. Just kidding. I actually found it in a drawer unused. You know, when I was a kid, I used to hate to brush my teeth. I used to run underwater even make a mess with the toothpaste just to prove that I brushed my teeth all the while my breath smelled like I don't know right it doesn't add up logically anyways but, but beyond that what did, what did we just read the Bible told us to do that the number one priority of my heart should be to love God. 
And my number one job as a parent is to pass that passion to my child. And if I'm not passionate about it, most likely they will not be either. See, is it possible that you, you know, the old saying was, I got, I was a drug, I was a drug kid at church. I got drugged to church, right? That was me. I remember as a kid sitting over, it wasn't this auditorium, but I was sitting right there on the front pew and my mom had this elevated organ that she would set on and play. And me and my twin brother, man, we, we had some good fights in the middle of, you know, the music service and everything was great. Life was great, had no problems. And for some stupid reason, I would look up at my mom and you know what my mom would do? She would give me the death stare while she was playing, right? It's like bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves, and she's staring at me. How many of you know that song? I don't know why that came to my head. It's not in my notes. All right. What was I saying? It's, it's possible that your kids may turn from God even if you bring him to church. I'm not saying that's not possible. I've seen it happen a lot. As a parent, though, we should not parent on outcome focus, but on obedience focus. What has God commanded me to do? To have the worship of God, Yahweh, sustainer, provider, protector, creator, king of kings, lord of lords, alpha and omega, he should be the number one priority in my heart. And that should show how I manage, teach, train my kids. Are you tracking with me? I didn't hurt you too bad, did I? It's the truth. I don't parent my kids with the end in mind. It's not, it's not outcome focused. Don't get me wrong. We prayed and we prayed and we prayed that this outcome that we are now experiencing, that it would be that. But that can't be the focus. The focus is what has God commanded me to do? That's the focus. I walk in obedience and, and I pray, God, have your hand of protection on my kids. Would you pray with me? This morning, we're going to end our service with a a prayer, a song of blessing. And I pray this morning as we sing this, you you will just receive it as a blessing. This this is straight from Scripture. It's a blessing over our kids and the next generation and the next generation. And I want you to know, as, as a fellow parent, I'm praying for you. I don't want to just make light of how difficult it is to raise a a teenager or a child. Now, I I get it. It's hard. It's difficult. I I just want to warn you that the greatest place I think you can have your kid is in, in, in the place of God, where they will teach your kids about the Lord and how to love God. And they, your kids can see other men in the room who are passionate about Jesus Christ. 
So maybe for you, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, today, as we sing this last song, it's an opportunity for you to come and just pray. God, give me the strength to follow you. God, I thank you for this opportunity today just to open your word. Thank you for the fact that you are good, you are faithful. Lord, I pray for each of these students in the room as they go to school. And Lord, there's a lot that they deal with. I pray you would protect them, that you would provide for them, that you would bless them. Lord, I pray for these parents who are raising these kids. Lord, I pray you would give them the resolve and the strength and the courage to not just teach, but to be an example of what it means to passionately pursue Jesus. That our faith would be passed. We love you. 